But now we're cancelled, they can kiss my ass They can go to hell <laughs> They should have made me captain anyhow Put me in the cat suit as well Cause I've got tits and ass Just as good as Jolene Blaylock I've got looks and charms Welcome to a very special episode of ShuttlePod. Today we'll be answering all your fan questions that we haven't had a chance to do on the show. And now for our wonderful hosts, Dominic Keening and Connor Trenier. Hey, hey, hey. Hi, guys. Hi, Erica. Hi, Erica. Nice to have you in the hot seat. Look right. at that. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to be here. Top of the table. I usually feel like so far away from you guys. I know. It, it's painful. Where's our tree? <laughs> it's worse for us. <laughs> So a lot of questions to get to. Uh, that's yeah. exciting. I'm yeah. uh, happy to, to, to sit down and spend this time. And, right. uh, yeah, that's, okay, that's let's without do further ado. Yeah. Who's, who's up wait. first? So uh, our first question is from Kelly Harper uh, via our website. She's uh, from the Enterprise fan group on Facebook. Oh, yes. All right. Did you ever think that 20 years later that people would still be discovering Enterprise? Do you also think that had people opened their minds and hearts to the show that it could have potentially have ran longer? Mm. Wow. Well, yes, that's a, that's a, we just had David Livingston on the show and uh, it was news to both of us that uh, as a director, a multiple time director, he had gotten some sort of win that we were kind of done or it looked like that they were going to pull the plug earlier at the end of season three. Yeah, yeah, much earlier. Yeah. And that season four really was a bit of a bonus and that they wanted to get the near 100 mark episode to, to then package it up and send it into uh, syndication. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, I'd never heard, I had never officially heard that, that we were that close to Yeah, nor had I. Uh, look, uh, in the years gone by, I, yes, doing the conventions, we've had multiple, multiple fans come up to us. Uh, certainly in the last 10 years since uh, you could stream this stuff and find it at your will, so many people have come up to the table and said, you know, I just finally got Enterprise. And, you know, and many, many have said, and I, I hope I'm not tooting a horn, that it's their favourite version of the show. And that's, uh, it's music to the ears. Um and having been a, a new watcher myself, dare I say, since we've embarked on this uh, this show, Shuttlepod, uh, I have gone back and I am I am dutifully looking through all these episodes of the show that we shot um, twenty years ago. And I got to tell you, I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, I am divorced enough as an actor to to be looking at this chap up there playing Malcolm Reed as an, another person entirely. I don't think I had the stomach for it back in the day. Um, I've often said rather humorously that I felt like I looked like a mutant amongst really well-lit, beautiful people. <laughs> oh, that's not true. And, uh, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, 20 years on, I'll tell you one thing that this show and this franchise, this this thing called Star Trek has, is it's got long legs and God bless that. It does, you know, and I think that initially when uh, we were introduced, I think on Netflix mm-hmm. um, and then 
carried on to Paramount Plus, a universe yeah. of, of people to watch us again, yeah. to see us for the first time. We were hamstrung so much in, we the, were. in, the, in the in the day when we went out. You know, we you could. I mean, we got bumped uh, so many times for local sporting events on in various Scott Bakula's hometown in yeah. St. Louis. Right, you we were bumped. Um, from Tuesday to Thursday to Sunday to whenever, based on when the Cardinals were playing, right. you know, in his own town. And, and I think that, um, you know, people, they're available. They're available. Was that the darts team? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see our show, I think that, uh, you know, you had to struggle to find it. And then once you got to a place where there was Netflix and then Paramount Plus, Paramount Plus specifically, uh, we found a home where people have been able to see us again and and find out what our show was about. Yeah, and it's a testament to the fandom uh, and the longevity, uh, staying power of of this wonderful uh, thing called Star Trek. Yeah, and I would say I'd say probably five years ago, or maybe five or seven years ago, we began to hear mm. from fans that you know they could find us again on a streaming process, yeah. and uh, they. Um, developed um, yeah and you found love and yeah. appreciation for, for what we did alright this is from Robert McKean through our website will you guys please come back to do an Enterprise movie to fix the terrible ending of a phenomenal Star Trek series sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> no. yeah. I wish Robert put us uh, back in our jumpsuits uh, um uh, I don't know that uh, it's too bad we didn't get to carry that uh, that the film meant the you know baton as it were. Mm. I thought we will. We we kind of thought we were gonna. We were told that. Yeah, we oh, were. Yeah. yeah, we were a good-looking cast. We had. I tell you one thing that our show had that we had a bona fide star name at the you know number one on the call sheet. Scott Bakula. He was when he got cast. When I knew that he was going to be our captain. I was over the moon about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, everything, all the pieces of the jigsaw looked like they were falling into place for us to do seven years, carry on the movies, and, um, yeah, and all would be right with the world. Well, the funny thing is, of course, that we're doing, what, season two, and they're shooting a movie right next door to us. It was us. Nemesis, yes. Yeah, right I, next door I, to I us. Was, yeah. And we had this whole notion that, you know, Oh God, this is great! You guys are doing this. Next Gen's doing their movies, yeah. and then we're next. Mm. And I think uh, I've said in, in one of our shows. I mean, Rick, who never came to set after the pilots were done, uh, after the sort of you know the, the cement had been laid and the foundation for our show had been set, uh, he never he never showed up. I mean, you, you just never saw him again. And then all of a sudden, when we were shooting Shuttle Pod One, he suddenly. Do you remember he showed yeah. up uh, on stage eighteen? around our sets, uh, bringing Sir Patrick Stewart with him to show off. <laughs> yeah. Basically this very, you know. I remember walking into uh, their set and meeting uh, LeVar and Patrick right. and uh, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, Who, who yeah. wound up dating he Linda did. Park. Linda Park. You know, yeah. uh, and, and thinking, literally, there's a moment in this time where you're kind of like, mm. boy, this is going. Yeah. And yeah. um, then uh, we hey, get the news from yeah. David and John that, you know. <laughs> yeah, the things weren't quite so uh, on uh, an even keel. I remember mm. taking that phone call. with I was coming out of the Hollywood YMCA, walking to my car, and my cell phone rang, and it was a flip-up phone in those days, and it was Rick Berman. Are you sitting down? 
I was like, Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> we canceled? <laughs> yeah, that was the cancellation call. Oh, so yeah. so my call was, so I get this script, which was the final script of the show. And Brandon calls me and he says, you know, have you read it? And I was like, well, no, I'll read it now. And I call him back and I, you know, and I die. Oh. And I said, are we canceled? And he was like, yeah, we're done. I said, are we actually done done or am I just dead on the show? And he's like, like, am I canceled or are we canceled? He's like, are you cool with this? And I was like, "Uh, if we're canceled, I'm done. (laughs) Otherwise, not really. Um, And uh, yeah, that's how I found out. Mm. You know, you you have to remember, though, um, as actors, we lose our jobs all the time. time. You know, it's what we do. You know, if we're not most often we're not fired. The job just ends. Mm-hmm. And um, so anything I've never been fired at, actually. Yeah, it's right. Acting gig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and then every it, other waiting table job or you know, barman job. Been fired on the other I have been fired. <laughs> right. You know, it, it, what do you remember about like your last day? Uh, it was a bit of a carnival sort of, you know, affair, wasn't it? They had barbecue and... For you? Oh, no. Um, really? For you? For oh. me? Oh, no. It was nothing like that. No. They no. had... I think I, no I think I was working the very last day of the show, I think. Oh. Yeah. Mm. And they had... They, it was a sort of odd sort of half week of party atmosphere slash... I had, a, I had an episode or a, a scene with Jolene in the shuttle pod. And um, came out of it, and they were and like, that was it. and they were moving like, on. Yeah, they were like, "Love you, thank you, great." That's a show wrap for Connor Trenier. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You well, know, and I'd never experienced that no, before. No. Um, but you know, you, you have to remember that the job that we have as actors is that we lose our job and our job all the time, all the time. Mm. And and that's, if you're lucky, that's and that, yeah, yeah, and that's the way it goes. That's an optimistic way of looking at it. Yeah. Question number three. Yes, number three. This is from Fran Canterman. This is also from our website. How long did it take to shoot the Shuttle Pod One episode? Well, it was the usual, you know. Uh, we they were all ten days, eight days filming with a with a weekend off. Uh, usually, at least fifteen hour days, if not sixteen. Um, but we were given the script at, at least what three weeks? Not prior? quite. It was about no, it wasn't quite that. Ten days, eleven ten days, days, twelve and, days, something and, like that. And we, I, I, I made sure he came around my little apartment. And we had those those lines down pat. Mm. When we went to set. We were we were literally we could have done a play with it. Did you guys yeah. uh, improvise with each other at home when you were? Um, you know the funny practicing? thing about our show in particular, they didn't care regarding for that improvising much. Is, <laughs> yeah. is, is that they didn't like that yeah, at all. I'm, I'm know, sure we, on the show, I know it's we like, had to be word yeah. perfect, and we knew that at the time. You yeah. know, and so when we were working together, it was really, I have to say, there's something remarkable about, you know, working with a good, great actor, Dominic, and, you know, having a partner. Just sit up. <laughs> that, you know, keeps the ball in the air. And and then, and you know that that's the thing that you're supposed to do is keep the ball in the air. Mm. And, and by the time we got to set, you could have put us in a garbage can. We could have done this anywhere. Mm. We could have. Yeah. So it benefited you guys to stick to the script when you were rehearsing and uh, go over it. Well, they were, and they were sticklers. I mean, yeah. God knows, I remember nailing a long speech in the, I think, of the, something in the Boken, Broken Bow and thinking like, 
Yeah, got that. Yeah. And then uh, Jan, the script supervisor, yeah. well, tossed it over. <laughs> yeah, she went, and they went, we're going again. I was like, really? For was it, did they fuck up the camera? What right. happened? Yeah. <laughs> she went, you said Anne instead of Arv, if instead of but. You said, I'm like, you're kidding me, right? And she wow. Went, no, not but on the show. We set ourselves honey. up for, um, on, on that episode specifically, for success. Yeah. That is we great. did. And, uh, you know, then we, we were talking with uh, David Livingston in the last episode. You know, when that show became quite tricky to shoot because of uh, they suddenly they made this a tricky episode when they wanted to see our breaths. And suddenly we were shooting in between six air conditioning units going off uh, after literally the minute they said cut. These things were crank back up to keep this place into an igloo. Wow. Uh, we were drinking hot tea. We were shooting. I mean, we were shooting long scenes for TV in 12, 13 second increments because you'd be 13 seconds into this pretty heavy scene. And they would just, you just hear David go, cut, cut, can't see the breath. And, and again, to David's credit, he was trying to shoot the show he wanted to to make um, based on his script. And we were, um, we'd done our work. We we'd were got, there. We'd we gotten were, there. Yeah, we, you know, we had, there was dry ice packed underneath, underneath the set. The set. We, we had six, you know, air conditioning units. Um, we were freezing our asses yeah, off. It was cold. Yeah. And um you just kind of went from take to take. But the homework we'd done paid dividends, huge dividends. Uh, and we, it was a real luxury. You literally, have. we were like on a tightrope and you could have been, some people, someone could have been wobbling that rope at all times and we kept our balance. Yeah. Wow. Hey. Yeah. I had no idea until David's episode that you guys were actually cold. Oh my god! I was oh, like, yeah. "That's you guys did a great no, was, job pretending was, to be." I watch I watch episodes yeah. now of television, and I'm like, I see breath, and I'm like, "That's fake." fake. <laughs> <laughs> you know better yeah. than anyone. Uh, you have Shut no up. idea. Yeah. Pod one is one of the best, uh, not only one of the best episodes ever made of any Star Trek show, but it is one of the oh. best episodes. Oh, well, oh, bless you, man. I, I, uh, bless you, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well yeah. done. Cheers. Next question. Uh, this is from Mark Griffin. With all the talk of bringing back fan favorite characters to the Trek franchise, can you see any of the Enterprise cast returning? And if asked, would either of you do it? Yes. Well, <laughs> I mean, y- y- yeah. <laughs> that was fast. And. <laughs> is it too fast? It was <laughs> fast. And what would you like to be involved in story-wise? Well, I know that um, right now they are doing a series about Section 31. Yeah. And um, that is a, a portion of what you were doing as a character. I think I heard on the grapevine uh, it's Michelle now- Yao. Yes. Who- it's going to be a film. I think I heard. A film. Really? Yeah. It went from series to, to a one-off film. Yeah. Okay. I believe. The weird thing is about our show, because as a prequel- how we fit in right. to the narrative of the future of it right. all. Mm. Yeah, we we get brought up, don't we, in some of the JJ stuff uh, yeah. we are, we're alluded to. You know. I don't know. The, the answer ball. for me is um, the if, they, if they ask, I would jump back in the jumpsuit. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's a yes for right. both of you. <laughs> right. All right. The next question is from Ty Lim uh, from our website again. Was Shuttlepod 1 something written very quickly to fill a budgetary requirement, or did the writers really plan it for season one? 
Well, I don't know about how, whether it was written quickly, but it was, certainly was meant to be what they call the bottle show, where you put uh, two or three characters in a bottle. Uh, mm-hmm. The ship show. Ship in a bottle. There mm-hmm. we go. Uh, put a ship in a bottle and uh, put it's three cameras It's to save around. money. It's to save money. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd spend a lot of money on our first season, uh, and they were definitely, this was meant to be a, an, an economizer. And then it turned out to be something else. I think once they realized, because the script was bloody good. I mean, it, it, it can't be, that's, you mustn't take note of that. It was a really good script. It was certainly one of Brannon and Rick's best ones, I would say. And dare I say it, if I'm going to toot our horn, we were the, we were the actors to, to step up yeah. and uh, deliver that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'd seen a certain dynamic between Connor and myself on the show in the, in the early episodes of season one. And I've mentioned this before, you know, the episodic writers are looking, they're, they're scanning the, the, each they're episode. They're begging for your voice. Yeah, they're begging for your voice to see what, what can we write for. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tough, we did 26 for two years running. That was a lot of episodes. Mm. So um, uh, I don't know that the script was written quickly, but it certainly was meant to be uh, a saver. And then it became... Not a saver. <laughs> well, it ended th- up being quite expensive. Yeah, and I think that ultimately yeah, they, they discovered the fact that they had two characters on their show whose voices they understood and knew yeah. and could write for. You know. Well, and, it was a great uh, episode, so I'll for whatever it. reason they made it, it was a good idea. Yeah, I know, I, know, I know you didn't get it, but the, I mean, I don't know what it was because, but the, literally the day after that show aired, I went to work the next morning and as I walked onto the bridge set, uh, all the cast and crew started clapping. <laughs> I, oh my God. No one uh, ever clapped I was, for me. I tell you, it was, uh, I have to say, it's one of the highlights of my acting career. I, 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 you've said this before and, <laughs> I'm, and I'm like, I don't, I don't do it to poke you in the eye. No, I know, of course I, not. I think maybe I, you showed up to set two or three days later and like, you know, they've forgotten all about it. It just happened to be the day after. No, right, that makes right, sense. Right, right. And I was really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clapping for you. Uh, so, <laughs> okay, next question. On. This is by Dustin Howard, whom is a composer. As a composer who has made intro songs for TV, worked a bit on film, etc., I can't understand what the atmosphere was surrounding the decision. Obviously, I don't want anyone to bash the composer or producers of the show, but with 20 years have gone having gone by, I think it's fair to have a civil discussion. Star Trek has what I call space grace music, French horn city. <laughs> to be honest, um, regarding the song, uh, the theme song, I don't care. Yeah, you don't. Do you care? Not especially. I mean, I look, but then I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't count myself amongst the aficionado fandom. I didn't mind the lyrics with the with the images that they. I just, I mean, I have to say, I mean, I mean, that, you have a song for it. Seeing, I do have a song for it. <laughs> My version of that song. Uh, you know, seeing our names with those images, with that theme song, which is quite rousing. I. You know, that was quite enough for me to see my name as a British actor in a TV, American TV show, you know, with a rousing um, song about human endeavour. I mean, look, Diane Warren, God bless you. I mean, she's up for another Oscar this year. Mm. This is five years in a row. She's had, she's been up 13 times. She clearly knows how to write a bloody song. Let's not, you know. You have to remember, though, that they were trying to distance themselves from they were. the notion of it being Star Trek and mm. us being something different. 
Yeah. And 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 with the yeah. song, uh, that was very clear. I always heard that on the in the backroom chatter that there was some deal about Diane Warren and Russell Watson doing that song. Mm. There was some deal struck. There was something. It wasn't just they chose a song. Right. Mm. There was some other, you know. You know, and the truth is... is Hollywood's full of politics. And, by the, and by the way, the actors in the show know nothing about any of this. No, we <laughs> never. It's know. not our job. No. We don't. It's not, yeah. our, it's not our business. It's not like you'd take a vote. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> says, Connor, how do you think about the... the- Come on then. So tucked away in the uh, in the DV- first DVD uh, release, there's a, in the extras, there's, there's a, another version of our song. And it goes a little like this. Um... It wasn't such a long time, it was only four years, not such a long time, they didn't answer all my prayers, but now we cancel, they can kiss my ass, they can go to hell, (laughs) they should have made me captain anyhow. put me in the cat suit as well, cause I've got tits and ass. Just as good as Jolene Blaylock, I've got looks and charms. Mountains higher than Connor Trinier, books and smarts. Just as much as Dr. Flux <laughs> ever had. I've got game, yeah, I've got game. Right from the heart. Dom, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, Dom, I, I, th- I think that your next album should be recorded oh, right here in the living room. My God, that was fantastic. <laughs> How long did that take you? I wrote that. It's gonna, years and years and years. Yes. years. That's a lot of resentment right That's there. A lot there. <laughs> I wrote that on a napkin on a British Airways flight oh, to, yes. to Cologne. Uh, going to the yep. FedCon convention, uh, I think right after we got cancelled. Mm. And I sang that for the first time in front of Jolene Blaylock, in front of 7,000 Star Trek fans in Did Europe. Did you really? Yeah. And uh, she was, yeah, in her inimitable way, <laughs> nonplussed. <laughs> She's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, this is from another composer, Scott Tobit. I work as a music composer and I adore the music written by enterprise composers. Could you do an episode and discuss some of the music or even get some of the composers in on the podcast? We, yes, I think we could. Um, do you know, one of the highlights of, uh, I think in the first season, uh, do, do, were you aware? So they, the orchestra, we had an orchestra for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, our show was, our show cost a lot of money, man. Uh, Scott knew one of the um, conductors for the orchestra and uh, he took me, it was right next door to uh, stage nine. And he took me in there one break in between shoots. I think it was to watch them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was quite, I mean, a full orchestra. Wow. In a full soundstage. It was um, when I, when I listen, when I'm watching the show now and I listen to those, uh, it was pretty amazing stuff. A lot of our show is amazing, particularly for the time it was being made. We have to remember too, like we we sort of lived in the very end of this golden age of like, you know, you would have this sort of uh, experience where you had, you could go in and watch the, uh, the company of musicians play your music. Yeah. And um, that doesn't exist anymore. No, and I look and I look and at And these were real people, yes. 40 people yeah. playing a song yeah. to uh, your episode or, yeah. your, or, your, or your series. All right. This huh? question is from Beatrice Lamshoft. 
Art is an essential part of humanity. It connects people through time and space. It's also a special way of making money. The commercialization of art has made some people rich and famous. It created a somewhat bizarre cult of stars and fans and a business where too often profit-seeking dominates and restricts the creative process. In between these two poles, how do you define yourself as an artist? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, uh, very simply. I uh, am an NFT. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You don't even know what that is. Drink it up, Beatrice. (laughs) (laughs) We know we know each other. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that um, you're a storyteller and then you let it roll. Um, that's what you that's do. really simply yeah, well put. I, I think you're a storyteller and how people respond to that or not is... Do you remember the first time getting properly... Do you remember the first time getting paid to act? Uh, yes, I do. Do you remember? I yeah, mean, yeah. And, and do you remember? I mean, do you remember sort of like going... Don't say so, anything. So the first time Don't I say got, another word. So the but first apparently time they're going to pay me for this. So the first time <laughs> I got paid to act, I got cast in a, a stage production in Kansas City uh, of a um, like summer festival production of The Tempest, and I was playing um, a character who had like two lines. Everybody else in the entire cast had like body mics. I didn't have one, and um, I had to trained actor. Yeah, I had, to, <laughs> I had to chase them around to say my line, and they knew that, and they were to like, get in their mics. Yeah, yeah, and then they're like, hilarious. No, 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 hilarious. No, 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 no. So yeah, I mean, it was I, like you trying to get in my two shot, my single <laughs> on the bridge. You get a cheer on <laughs> yeah, the bridge. I tell you, like, I'm amazed how many times you got in to I, make it a double. I, I have to say that I think that I think that for my first professional job, I've been chasing a microphone the entire time. <laughs> But it's a, it was an extraordinary feeling, wasn't it? The first time, God, if they only knew I'd do this seven nights a week for free. Um, you know, yeah, no, it's but true. don't tell them. <laughs> this one is from Dirk Kennedy. I know Jolene Blaylock does not participate in the conventions, nor does she give interviews regarding, regarding her time on the show. Do you think she might come on your show? And now, with all the great reinterest in Enterprise, will she perhaps become more involved in the retrospective and/or reprise her role? Oh gosh, I don't know. Sure, well, I hope we'll, so. Uh, um, I think you can put a nix the end bit. The yeah, I mean, well, who knows? I mean, look, Joe, uh, she she married and had three kids, if not four. She never particularly liked doing the convention stuff, the circus, as we call it. Mm-hmm. It was not. She's a quite a private person. I mean, always was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Joe, but I'll, I'll be, I mean, straight up. I mean, I never knew her much better than the table read at the beginning of doing the first episode. And I had four years with her. And you, and yeah. you really had some yeah. time with her. She yeah. was, um, she, look, she showed up, she did her work. and about I think this. That if there's a world that she would talk about the experience, it would be with you and I. It might be, yeah. yeah. And I, I believe uh, some phone calls have been made. I understand. Yeah. You know, I mean, and we, we would love to have her on. And we would love we to would, have you, Joe. We would, yeah. Joe, we'd love um, to know what's going yeah. on with your life and and, yeah. and, and, and to see be fun. how your world lives and, and your kids and the whole thing and, you yeah. know, and la-ti-da. So, you know, at the, the last the day, time we saw Joe was uh, we all did uh, a 10-year reunion, crikey. Yeah. Which is 10 years ago right. at... Uh, at CBS, at the studios there on uh, Beverly. Uh, and Scott was there and and she showed up and uh, it was lovely to see her. And, I uh, think that there's, you know, I, it's, it was a big part of all of our lives and, and I don't think that she could say that it wasn't a big part of her life. No, and I've got a feeling that I think we all have 
20 years on, we have a, yeah. a, a very deep respect and an appreciation for what we did. I think there's a point in time where you want to dialogue about it. And, yeah. I, and hopefully uh, it would, it, I would love for the, I would love for the opportunity to sit and talk to Jolene for an hour about our experience together collectively. Yeah, I would too. It'd be yeah. great so, to have yeah. her. Yeah. Um, It'd be great. And um, Jolene. <laughs> Jolene. <laughs> uh, the yeah. next question is from Yvonne White uh, through our website. Thanks for everyone who's visiting our website. Uh, lots of questions through there. Many of the actors from previous series have moved behind the camera and gotten into directing. Are any of the Enterprise actors moving into the director's chair? Well, you can answer that. I really wanted to do it. Uh, you know, John Billingsley was always puckering his ass at the thought of me pushing him around on the set. <laughs> I know that. Uh, I really put in some heavy hours and, uh, you know, sat for hours in that edit suite and Shadowed some directors and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's called the Director in Training, um, the Star Trek School. It was his nickname. Um, you know, I know Connor did the same. And we, I really, it's the one regret I've got that it, it didn't pan out. By the time it was credible that I could have done this, um, the, the, the relationship between UPN and, and Rick's offices had broken down so badly uh, he'd started getting notes and sort of, I mean, by all, by all, you know, the stories of these notes were, you know, fairly incredulous. Mm. You know, put a boy band in the mess hall scenes to attract a younger audience. They put a tambourine, you know, thing into the uh, opening song, which was the opening song was already had enough trouble without upping the beat with a tambourine jingle. Um Look, by the time it was it was okay, they the one thing that UPN could yank his chain officially about was no new directors and no new writers without their say so. Right. And he just wasn't going to go to bat for, mm. for Connor and I for William Wilbur Jr. asks, "What technology from the show is impressive to see used in our modern day-to-day lives?" Whoa. Well, um, I guess the uh I mean when the the original flip-up cell phone uh must have some der- Wait a second. derivation. Sorry. Yeah. Ooh. Hello. Come on, but the. Um, I had the flip phone, the razor. Yeah, the yeah. I mean that, that that was very much right. like the communicator, surely. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and not only that, like you know, the 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 phase pistol to an extent with a laser or in any way. Um, do we have those? We do. I've got one. <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, to answer his question. I think ultimately, you know, the things that Star Trek has used over the years, um, there have been things that have been inspired by, um, invented as a result sure. of, and and those are things that, that that we use and we will continue to use. And you know, look, to be honest, a face pistol in the near future, it's I not. can't imagine that would not be figured out. <laughs> the possibility that we could at some point find ourselves let's look at it this way 10 years ago what we knew about ourselves that we could do with technology we had no idea the possibility that we could in 20 years i don't know use a transporter is is is, is it not something that we can't imagine so you know i mean to answer his question i think it's endless Mm, i hope it is i do too wouldn't that be wonderful Mm -hmm. if you really if we could do away with, you know, jet travel and all that pollution and, you know. I mean, look hunger. at it this way. People yeah. are talking about taking trips to Mars. 
you know, for five years. I got to say, I mean, I, I, I know it's not popular sometimes with the science folk. Uh, I have absolutely, I don't understand this. Uh, we've got so many problems here on the, on the mothership that we need to sort out. Why are we thinking of going to live on something uninhabitable? Well, I think to that point, <laughs> that's why. I have a lot to say. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I, producer I, 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 I think, I think, Dominic, to your point, that's why, you know, there's too many people. But that not that an arse over tit thinking? How so? Let's, let's make, let's save our planet and make this uh, the jewel. It is a jewel. Why would you go, why would you, why would the thinking be th- to, to, to come and live on this godforsaken rock that is uninhabitable? Other than for extraordinary feats of science and, uh, you know, exploration. Because we have the inability to determine that we can limit the amount of people who live on this rock. I also think there's something sort of intellectual about this, that in the sense that, you know, if, if, if we can solve a problem that it doesn't that we can't solve here, we can solve elsewhere with, and with science. The solution and, may lay elsewhere. Yeah. And by prob- solving the problems that we have to solve to survive on Mars, we may very well be saving our home planet. Right? And not only Mars, but even just traveling. It's a nice thought. I also, mean, if, I, we can, if we can take resources from other places in, in the... In the well, that, the well, look, by the way, without, think about think that's what worries me, that, you know, you know, that we're going to start mining. We've already, we, do you know, do you know there's already fucking litter in space that we now have to clear up? Yeah. yeah. They're already talking about that. Right. And we've and, only and been doing this for 50 problem. years and we've mm. already that up as well. What well, we have. What are we not going to screw up? Having, having said that, though, like you've got, you've got asteroids that, that are coming across close enough to our planet that we can see and monitor that have... Um, minerals that we could use, that we could somehow attach to. I think that the possibilities are there, and it goes back to you know, um, you know, the ethos of of Star Trek in general is that you know, let's get out there and find out what we can do. <laughs> I think that this is a large subject, it's, it's it is. and yeah, we should yeah, have yeah, we should but, have but, a, a show about this and get. A, well, and, a, it's, and I think it's conversations we should continue to yeah, have. I think so. You know the possibilities and and what have you. And by the way, I would also think that um, uh, in the scope of the show that we have, we should have people on who um, care about those particular things and care thing. about them yeah, and and, and want to talk about them. More, more uh, educated voices than ours, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, astronauts. That would be yeah. really, really cool. <laughs> Just an actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something a little more lighthearted from Vicky Walker through our website. Would love to hear about specific on or offset memories with Porthos. Whether the actors were allowed to interact with the dogs, how much time was spent getting the right angle, and the logistics of a dog in the space. I never did a scene. I, with I don't the think dogs. I did. Yeah. No, no, there were two of them. Yeah, um, they Prada, were girls. Prada and Breezy. Prada and Breezy. Yeah, I don't think thirteen-inch beagles. So the rule about working with animals on screen is that apparently, if you're not working with them, you can't have any contact with them at all. It's kind of like the Tom Cruise, yeah, rule. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and and uh, so that's the last time you're working with Tom Cruise. <laughs> I did one time and that was it. But you know, I you know, when I was at work and and Prada or Breezy was there, I was told under no circumstances do you encounter them at all. Because if you did, 
they were they might respond to you. Yes. Mm. So trained animals. No, make no mistake. The handler was they, they were those were working dogs. They were yeah. not to be petted or they pay so choo-chewed well. Or yeah, they had a bigger trailer than mine. Yeah, uh, they got better lunches. Season two, <laughs> they they walked past me on day one and sort of sniffed at me when <laughs> it was like you know the tunnel. They had you, you back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you're here. <laughs> oh, life as a dog uh, must be um, nice and so consequently I never did we, a scene with them did you uh, yeah, so, uh, no no, no, no I, well I, I, no I did I did do, but never talked to the dog no, so I could not no, have no, access no. to the dog have you worked with other animals I've done some a lot of uh, other, yeah, other animal work uh, yeah I have and, yeah. and it's the same thing it's right. like you know you, when you're working with an animal that animal has to have its focus on the its partner right and its trainer Right. And if it's if you're like diluting that, you're you're not um, helping at all. And they won't allow it. In fact, no. you, mm. you're not allowed to. I did a whole commercial with a with a chimpanzee. <laughs> I have, yeah. And on Jungle to Jungle, I worked. And you were with, the funny one? I was the I was, I was actually I was the I was the chimpanzee's agent. <laughs> really? Yes. It was a very funny piece. Uh, I'm trying to think of what are those brothers called that did those sort of wacky comedies? The Fairly Brothers. brothers. One of the Fairly Brothers. It was a wonderful piece. Uh, It was it was for the cinemas only, and it was to get people to not be user to turn their phones off before the movie. So the whole piece would start with a lot of phone calls. Me, the agent of the chimpanzee. The, The chimpanzee was a huge star. A lot of phone calls going back and forth to get this chimp to be in some film. Uh, it ended up we went we played we were on a potting green and playing golf together when the call comes through that the, that the chimps got the part we're in Vegas together and at the end it just said it takes a lot of phone calls to make a movie please don't wreck it with one yeah, <laughs> yeah. or something to that effect and uh, yeah I spent two three days with a chimp I just auditioned for a voiceover that was um, there's a story apparently about um, a serial killer spree that happened in the 60s that involved uh, a couple of guys <laughs> and a chimpanzee. Um, and um, the chimpanzee um, ha- is the voiceover of the whole thing. And I, I auditioned for the voice of the, of the chimpanzee. chimpanzee. <laughs> what kind of voice? Okay. And I, and I was like this. <laughs> I worked with the scorpion too in uh, Disney's Jungle of Jungle. Uh, did a lot of scenes with the was scorpion. Was it scary? It was, was it scary. scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. All right, we got <laughs> yeah. Oh, Erica. <laughs> Matthew Stokes asks us, when the show finished, did either of you guys get to keep any cool souvenirs, either officially or just something you picked up rather than it go into the dumpster? You, you took a few things, didn't you? What? I took my boots. Yes. What do you I mean? Saw your what? Boots. Uh, Where no, are my I, boots, I, I, by I, the way? I, I took nothing, Dominic. Where are my boots? I will tell this story and I might get sued for it. Hmm. <laughs> So the captain's chair, if I, is it, is it the, yeah, at the back it's there? A, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a deck chair now. <laughs> so there was a couple of things I wanted. Uh, one was my away jacket. Mm. Uh, one was this jacket I wore. that was a leather jacket that was beautiful um, that I wore in, in an episode. And um, I remember uh, asking who remains to be nameless um, if I could come get this. And they were like, um, yeah. Yeah. Bring an overcoat. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, sure. So I came in, brought the overcoat. And a turkey yeah. sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and some limoncello. Uh, and he was like, you know, bring in a jacket. Because, by the way, when we finished the show, um, there were there was security I mean, I got it every step. Are mm. there cameras all over this? St- I mean, obviously no. dressing rooms. Not now. Can't, no, not then. now. Not, 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 dur- now. not during Maybe. the show. But yeah. when the show ended, you know, to the point, I guess, you know, I, I'll i be honest. I, I've got my away uniform and I've also uh, got a pair of boots I've got that I lifted. Sorry. <laughs> but I've also been given because they sold these things. Um I was given my sim uniform, right. my regular uniform, um, from fans who purchased them from, uh, you know, whatever company that was selling. Well, they did a huge sell-off, didn't they? Uh, um, uh, Christie's did a massive sell-off. Was it Christie's? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was one of those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a big weekend. They made, I mean, they made ten million dollars in a weekend. Uh, there's one girl, Jules. Uh, hi, Jules. Uh, she. I think she owns at least three or four of my um, boiler suits. Oh. Listen, God dude, Carol. Yeah, we all. I, oh, Carol. And Carol. Hi, Carol. I, I love you, Carol. Hello, Carol. <laughs> Carol. Carol purchased. She's a fellow Brit. Fellow Brit. Carol. She's got. Per- she's got your spacesuit. Carol EV. purchased. Carol purchased my EV suit. And, oh wow! And which is what does she I mean, do in it? Well. These EV suits um, uh, were were developed by NASA. They were the real deal. They were about a hundred grand. Um, we'll have to ask Mr. Bell. I, I don't know what Carol paid for it, but, um, you know, I was at a convention and, and saw Carol and Carol was like, I, I purchased your EV suit. And I was like, oh, that's great. What do you do with it? She does the gardening. Yeah. Carol, her, Carol, yeah. Carol goes out. around the garden. Carol goes. In Connor's EV suit. Carol, Carol told me. Wait, is that for real? Yeah. Carol, Carol, for real. Carol, Carol, I love you. I can't wait to see you again. You're crazy. You told me a story <laughs> that you put on your EV suit yeah. and occasionally go outside and water your garden. Yeah. Huh. In the EV That's suit. not code. <laughs> All right, moving on. Next question. The next question is from Chris Hensley. Via Twitter, were it not for Captain Archer, do you think the Andorians and Vulcans would still be at war? Dominic. Well, <laughs> yes. Um, How do you feel about that? Uh, I, yeah, look, it's make no mistake. I mean, uh, our our impetus and uh, influence in that uh, conflict between them, I would say, was uh, was measured and real, um, and it was certainly a thrust of our early part of our of the trajectory of our show uh we had jeffrey combs on recently as our second guest i think it was and i loved his analogy that uh you know as a brit uh that, that he likened the andorian uh struggle to much like the the republic of ireland struggle trying to free itself from the uh, the, the 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 noose of, of british rule in uh, in the nine provinces, and uh, uh, that's really struck a chord with me. I mean, I, my dad was Irish, um, born in the south, and um, you know, I grew up in England at, at a time when we were being bombed quite regularly by the IRA, and I and I definitely had a, a, a sense that they were the bad guys. But in later years, you know, one, you know, it, it's a very tough subject. This. But you sense that, yeah, they, they have, they have, a, they, they have a, a, an under, you understand their voice and their reason for doing so. It's, it's, it's a real grievance. I mean, 
it's a very tough subject matter, this, uh, you know, and it, it comes from colonization. And when you put uh, colonists into the colony and you give them the ruling power and hundreds of years go by, they are... They have, a, they have a right, as it were, hundreds of years later to be living in that country uh, at the same time. It's, 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 it's deep. It's truly deep. Uh, I think uh, our telling of that story between Andoria and, and the Vulcan conflict was, was pretty, pretty keen. And, um, and I definitely think Archer's influence there was real. And, uh, and it made Saval, I just watched the episodes recently, uh, think twice about uh, about the pejorative view of Andorians and and their place in the Vulcan you know world. And it's you know our show. I, I've noticed we we draw a lot of influence from um, you know what what's happening in our world then, uh, past, uh, present. Then uh, there's a lot of influence. Star Trek draws on a lot of what's going on and has happened in our world, politically, sociologically, geographically. Um, we choose, and it and it has a, it has a voice to, uh, without setting it straight, and I, and that sometimes it can be a little ham-fisted, in in its want to set things the the record straight. But I think for the most part, um, it just puts a spotlight. Uh, quite keenly onto onto certain you know world issues and um, uh, without with and letting it letting an audience draw its own conclusion you know I think also you know sort of to your point you can't watch our show without the knowledge that nine eleven happened during the time we were doing it no that definitely was a huge uh, uh, telling and turning point uh, season three in particular was you know yeah was I mean how far, far, we were what, three episodes in before we a little out. more I think we trying to th- I, I can't we so, remember we the episode so... we were shooting when it happened so anyway um, our last question I get a good one is from I should be writing from Twitter what did you think about the enterprise finale Hmm. <laughs> I had no issue with it, really. I mean, I, uh, I've i gone on the record about this. I mean, I really enjoyed one of the funnest days I had, and no disrespect to uh, present company, but that scene I had with Jonathan in the kitchen galley was hilarious that day. He's such a fun actor to work with, and yeah. he's a real actor's actor. I mean, I and given that it was, you know, our last, you know, Go at the the merry-go-round. It was a great way to go out. Uh, Rick and Brannon's tenure. I think that was worthy of some acknowledgement and a nod. And I think that was their attempt to do it. It was look getting Marina and Jonathan on the show. It was a hackneyed, slightly clunky device to get them to be in our final episode. Well, to sort of you know. That said, I didn't back, mind yeah. it. I know. Look, I tell you, that came out in that ten-year reunion. Uh, Scott was pissed, and I didn't know that. And Scott never got pissed about anything, really. I mean, he's a bloody saint. Uh, and it came out in that ten-year reunion, and didn't, he'd never said anything publicly before. Right. But he was ticked. I mm. mean, I, I imagine if I'd been the number one on the call sheet, and that was my show, and you're sending me out on this, this is my last episode. I might have been a little like, yeah, you know, screw, I was pissed at screw you. Well, one of the biggest um, Star Trek fans. Uh, it, it, uh, I love Jonathan Frakes and his character on The Next Generation. I love Marina Sirtis. 
her character on The Next Generation. I think it was a decent idea for an episode, but to wrap up an entire series uh, like that really broke my heart. I can get it from Rick, particularly Rick's point of view, that... I, you know, and that probably where the it was probably where the 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 derivation came from was that he was giving a doffing his cap to the seventeen years, yeah, saying, you know, saying goodbye, to and, his, and 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 saying goodbye to his to, saying goodbye yeah. to seventeen years at Paramount. I Which, mean, and you know, so again, totally. If you fell foul that. of your own hoisted by your own petard a bit, maybe um, was it Brown? I don't know. We'll we'll ask. I was given we'll ask. Yeah. for an ego point of view. Uh, yeah, I, I and I and I've said this before at conventions. I had this great luxury of playing this character that had a finite end. That had I got to I got to tell a story of this guy, and um, in that regard, I was really happy with that. Um, I didn't even think about at the time. You know, the element of, you know, uh, Marina and Jonathan mm. being involved. Um, and then, you know, as years have gone by and people, have, you know, commented about that. Look, m- when we're working as actors, you do have some ego about what you're doing. You still have some mm. process about the role and the life of your character. And the fact that I got to have a beginning and an end, I felt like I was the only one that got a beginning and an end. You were fortunate, I yes. Was you really were. I was a, was a, you had a, a good uh, piece of the pie to chew off. You know, having done series regular for four years and 100 episodes or thereabouts, you kind of thought that you were just going to get another job. Dude, Dominic, so, I, and, so uh, I said to my agent, I said to my agent, I don't want to do sci-fi for a while. Yeah. I need to, like, have some space from that. And then I saw this God. audition for this character named Michael on Stargate Atlantis. And I was like, I know what I said, but can I read for that part? <laughs> Thank God. This is did. this is like you know a hot second after it was right. done, right? And and I said, uh, I know what I said, and and they called back and they were like, well, you can have it if you want it. Wow! Oh, and that turned into this whole different yeah. dynamic that has turned into, um, you know, there's something interesting about going from playing Trip Tucker. To playing Michael Kenmore. Yes, exactly. In the dynamic of my acting career with other people, you know, I just felt I got another, I got a luxury. I got this gift to play this other character that was so different from who I was. Honestly, with hindsight, you just, I think, why didn't I just bang on my manager at the time and go, (laughs) you know, let's just do sci-fi, baby. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's been a really fun little episode. That little, was amazing. Little yeah. ultra episode. Yeah. Uh, we have so many questions from you guys that we can't possibly answer in just our regular episodes. So we're going to continue doing these specials regularly for you guys. Uh, stay tuned. And thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.